my loves, it is me, I'm back again. So I actually recorded, if you haven't followed me on Instagram, um, I was talking about how I initially recorded this episode (laughs) and then I totally, it sounded like I was in a fishbowl or something, it took me 40 minutes to record, I then edited it for 20 minutes and lost it all anyway and I came back today to record it and the microphone still sounded the same, I was like oh no, what is going on, I'm going to have to go quickly buy a new microphone and I realised the program that I record this on was showing the internal microphone from the laptop so love that for me um could have just easily switched the microphones over and wouldn't have had any of these issues (laughs) you know what that was the universe testing me um and that's a lesson learned I'll know to check every time so anyway I asked on social media this week for your toxic workplace tales and I know this is going to be a tough one for some people because you can have real trauma PTSD from working in a workplace that is super horrible and I know for some people they probably wanted to send me a message but they were a bit scared because you kind of don't want to give so many details that you kind of just think, don't you, like, oh, someone listening will know that I'm talking about them, but I mean, I'm going to be sharing some details today, so (laughs) I feel like my vibe all the time is, you know, that Louis Spence video where he's like, what are they going to do? Like, shoot me. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, what what are they going to do now? So thank you to everyone who submitted their stories. All stories will be completely anonymous. If there are any details that I think they expose you to anything then I won't say any of those I'm just gonna keep it super super general but obviously tell your story and hopefully if I'm kind of reading these stories out and someone is in this situation at the moment or they've been in a horrible toxic workplace um it'll kind of show you that you are not alone a lot of people have been through this a lot of people are going through it right now um So hopefully you'll feel heard, you'll feel seen and I'm going to throw a few funny stories to keep it light, keep it funny and we can all have a bit of a laugh. So here we go. I wanted to talk about this because work and your your workplace is so integral to how you feel, how your well-being is. You spend, let's say, 40 plus hours at work each week if you work full time. Um, that's a massive chunk of your life and if you're in a workplace that is not very nice that is going to feel like an absolute eternity. So my first job was working in hospitality and I worked in a hotel and um, if if you're listening to this and you've got kids who are kind of coming up to that age now 15, 16 and they want their first job honestly send them into hospitality. I'm not even joking because it is such a character builder. You have to work long hours, you have to deal with annoying drunk people and you're usually in a big team so you have to learn how to like work with different people and I'm not joking, it was a real good foundation. I mean it probably is the hardest job I've ever had but at the time when I worked at this place like all my mates kind of worked there as well. So 
when you're 16, you, you kind of go to work because you want a little bit of pocket money, don't you? And even at the time, I was probably paid about £4.35. You weren't really doing anything else on the weekend. Like, you weren't really, you weren't old enough to go out properly. So you might as well go work with your mates and go earn some dosh. But it was so funny because anyone that's worked in hospitality will know well, I mean, this was like 10 years ago, but you literally would work like a 12-hour shift and not have a break. <laughs> and everyone would say to you, that's illegal. And you'd be like, I know it's illegal, but because no one else has a break, it's just completely normal. And I honestly relate it to being in a cult. You know, and like everyone else is kind of putting up with what we're doing, the you just kind of put up with it and get on with it. And I don't know whether to do an episode on first jobs because I just think it's so funny hearing about the first job you do because it really is like your first step into the world of work. It's not like you're at school. It's not like anything else. You're there and you're actually being paid and you have to do a job. So anyway, yeah, I worked in hospitality and it was real character building. And if you worked, if you had a wedding in the hotel that I worked in, in the years that I worked in, then um, I definitely ate some of your wedding canapes that went out. <laughs> and you know what, that's been laying heavy on my heart for some years, and I'm so glad that I got that off my chest. But I'm not joking, we didn't have time to eat. You would have to scramble where you could. It was a survival of the fittest situation, like when those canapes came out, you would hide behind a wall, scoff down some beef bignon, um, some smoked salmon. I didn't even like smoked salmon. That should tell you how starving we were. And then you'd like move them around the slate and then you'd go out into the room and, and obviously, um, you know, tend to guests and stuff like that. But that's what you had to do. It was mean out on these streets, I am telling you. Sometimes you'd have to, if there was like a leftover meal from the wedding breakfast, you would, like a little mouse, scurry it on in to the um, room where we kept all the plates and stuff. What do you even call that? Do you know, like a, not a cloakroom, but like a, a room with stuff in, a closet. And, um, you would stand, there were no chairs, you couldn't sit down, you might have to like lean on a, a plastic wine rack that could crash beneath you and then you would stuff that food down as quick, you would inhale it and then you were straight back out into the room like dealing with drunk people, dealing with people like fighting, maybe someone was having an allergic reaction to the pesto pasta um, or maybe it was a party night and you were having to like pick up willy straws off the floor from multiple hen parties. Oh, and also what was really fun is they used to put these balloons out on the table and you would blow them up and they'd go really, really, really long. And then if you let them go, they would like zap around the room, <laughs> making a dead high pitch squeal. <laughs> and if you had three pl like searing hot plates 
um, and the gravy was just like running down your arm, up your sleeve, giving you third degree burns. Oh, and also they would pack the rooms so tightly, so <laughs> you couldn't walk between tables. You literally had to balance plates on your arms and be like, hi, can I just, can I just squeeze past you? And all the while, people are obviously knowing what these balloons do and you are their target for the balloon. So you're trying to balance the plates, you're trying to move people out of the way and then you're trying to duck out of the way of these balloons while people hope that they hit into you and you drop all the plates. Um, so have I experienced trauma? Yeah, you could, you could say so, yeah. <laughs> this was a zero hour contract job and I remember I then got like a normal nine to five job so I was like hey I've got another job which people usually had anyway like where I work people were in uni people had different jobs and then they would like come in on the weekend to do an extra couple of hours or like you know weekday evenings um and I was like yeah but I can obviously still do weekends still do evenings and um I had this one boss that was like absolutely not if you are not loyal to us and if you're not here at our beck and call even though you're on a zero hour contract and we can just pull any shifts from you um we don't want you and in my head I'd worked there for about seven years at this point and I was like <laughs> you're gonna regret saying that when next Saturday rolls around and 16 year old Billy hasn't turned up for a shift because he's down at the ice disco and you're gonna be scrambling for staff it's going to feel good for me. So I was like, oh, okay then. Um, just only worked here for seven years and trying to help you out, but okay, that's me gone. And what do you know? Saturday rolls around. <gasps> I get that call on my phone and I'm like, here we go. And they're like, Chloe, we're really tight on staff tonight. Is there any chance, any chance you can come in? And I was like, oh, oh, how the turntables turn. It's like, do you remember last week when you said that thing to me when I wasn't wanted or needed anymore? Yeah. So I'm going to stay in tonight and watch Rachel Adedeji and Alexandra Burke on The X Factor instead. Okay. Do you remember how much of a chokehold? X Factor had on us in like mid 2000s, mid 2010s. Like that was wild. So that was my first experience into the world of work, trying to understand people, having to deal with customers, people who were super, super rude, but really nothing ever super toxic happened there. And I think because sometimes I think it really helps if you're in a team and you have other people to kind of bounce off and confide in and stuff like that. I think it's when you get to a job where you're the only person and you're the only person who's experiencing a certain situation with one person. And I definitely had that um, a couple years after my first job. So I went for this job and totally unqualified. Don't know, don't know why I... I kind of just wanted to go for the job just to like, you know, sometimes you apply for a job and you think, mm, definitely not getting an interview, but let's see. It was one of those situations. Something that I was interested in, but the job asked for um, a university degree. 
and I don't have a university degree. So I was kind of shocked that I got an interview. I actually went to the interview and said, um, you know, oh, I'm actually surprised I got an interview because, you know, I don't have a university degree that you're asking for on the job advert. And my um, strategy for this interview was to be like, well, you know, if I came from a, a same type of company, I would be used to their processes. I would already work in a way that maybe wasn't suited to you. So me coming in fresh, me never never having done this before means you get to mould me into the perfect employee for this role. And I saw the person who was going to be managing me, their face lit up and I was like, oh my God, I have absolutely bossed this interview. Little did I know, looking back now with hindsight, I think that was a look of, oh my gosh, this person knows nothing and I can absolutely take advantage of that. So as it usually does when you start a job, it's kind of all fine. The people are really nice. And then a couple of weeks in, it just turned. And I was like, whoa, like what is going on here? And the person I was working under, um, this was the first time they had had an assistant and they wouldn't stop telling me that and I was just like okay I'm getting the feeling that this is gonna be hard now because it was almost like they were saying "Mm, like I've got so much work that I need an assistant but I don't want to I don't want the company to think that I need an assistant because I can do everything so I was kind of stuck in the middle like okay how am I gonna work this one now and they would say kind of one thing to me on my own and then the complete opposite in front of the whole um, team. So it was, a, it was a small company, but it was part of a massive company. So it was like small department, part of, part of a massive company. And, you know, when you're just like, what? It's like someone saying, I don't know why this is an example of saying like, oh, wow, really like the jacket you're wearing when they see you on your own and then getting in front of a group and being like that jacket is absolutely disgusting why did you come to work in that (laughs) so it was proper mind game like I was literally being gaslit and I just wasn't used to that I'd never had a role before that I'd always worked with people who yeah they might have been mean or hard bosses but they were straight to the like you knew where you stood with them with this I was like what like you know it almost makes you think like am I crazy like did they say that one thing to me and then they said the opposite thing so yeah it it was very like mind gamey and then one of my jobs was we had a customer who sent back like 200 of these jackets because they said they smell a mold and um it was my job to sniff every jacket to see if it smelled a mold And I honestly think that's why I've got suspected asthma now. I get me on an incline. I cannot breathe. I probably got black lung. And I think it was from that time that this person made me smell 200 jackets to see if they smell of mould. Don't get me wrong. I don't mind like rolling my sleeves up and getting the work done. But it kind of felt like, uh, (laughs) let's do that. It'll be funny. Like, let's make her sniff the jackets. Even though... We could probably just refund the customer, 
there's a fault in the product. Like, let's make her sniff the jackets, guys. <laughs> and I can laugh about it now. Obviously, I've grown out of that situation. Um, I don't ever think, oh, thanks for doing that. It's made me stronger. No, I, I was the one who grew from that situation. No one else. So that's why I can laugh at it now. And obviously, it's been it's been a long time. So, you know, it doesn't affect me now. But this was the type of office, and I know I've spoken about this before, right? Do you know, like, the tea and coffee politics in an office? I can't do it. I cannot handle it. And this is the reason why. So in this office, we shared with, like, the bigger company. And so I want to say there's probably about 50 people in this office, And for some reason, the tea, coffee, run structure was really rigid. Like, you had to do a coffee or tea run that day. And it was usually at the same time every day. You could be on a a call with someone. They'd be like, oh, Chloe, yeah, it's 10 o'clock. It's your turn to to do the teas. And you'd be like, why doesn't someone else do it? Like, you can see I'm on a call. So it got to a point, so you'd have to walk, there was like a tea kitty as well, so you had to pay in £2.73 into the tea kitty to buy all the tea bags and the coffee and the whatnot, and then the kitchen, I call it a kitchen, right, this kitchen, air quotes, was the size of a toilet cubicle. And it actually was the size of a toilet cubicle because that's what it used to be. They converted a toilet cubicle, put a wall in between the toilet and the old cubicle and called it a kitchen. So you got to think, there are like four departments sharing this toilet cubicle and you'd go in, you'd walk across the office with your big tea tray and you'd get to the toilet cubicle and there'd be four other people and you'd have to like lean your tea tray on a bin somewhere and wait for eight boils of the kettle, or you just walk back to your te- to your desk, and you know you're just like, oh my god. For some reason, my boss would just always make a joke that like I didn't like it. She'd be like, oh, Chloe doesn't like doing the tea, do ya? You don't like doing it, do ya? And I really wasn't bothered about doing it because it got me up from a desk. Like, it got me away from this absolute tyrant. So, you know, you have to keep denying something. But the more you deny it, then it sounds like a lie. So I'd be like, no, uh, no, I'm I'm all right. Like, I'm all right doing the tea. Like, um, do you know when it gets awkward? Like, oh, I just hate that. When people try to continually make a joke and you're like, no like that's that's not the issue anyway so you'd finally get your um go at the kettle and then you'd have to walk back with a tray full of eight teas and coffees across a massive office you know that scene in friends where phoebe becomes an extra for a day and she's like the nurse with the tray of like medical equipment and she's like shaking it trying to get it to its station (laughs) That was exactly what I was like with these eight eight cups of teas and coffee like going across the whole office. Oh my gosh, it was just so annoying. And then, I don't know why, but when this other employee, colleague would make make the teas and the coffees, 
when mine came back, I'm not joking, it was always under half full. And you know, you're like, I get it one time when you probably got to the end of the kettle and you're like, oh, I'm not doing a full boil just to fill up the extra half. I get that. But it was every single time and I was like, hmm, this feels, this feels a little bit targeted now. I'd literally be like, where's the rest of it? Like, are you joking? <laughs> every single time I was like, hmm. And from that point, I was like, yeah, I can, I can sense that I'm not wanted here. So I made a decision to just, do you know what? This ain't for me. This is not for me. I was, it was getting to a point and I'm not going to properly go into it because I think like, ugh, you know what I mean? Um, I know that kind of sounds like that's not that bad, but I'm not going to go into it just in case, you know what I mean? Like just in case. But it got to a point where I was so anxious to go to work that oh, I just couldn't eat. Even like on, on my lunch break, I could not eat my lunch because I was that, I felt that ill thinking, oh, I'm going to go in at lunch, uh, like after lunch and like, what are they going to get me to do? And have I done this wrong? Have I done that wrong? Like, you know, overthinking every single thing you've done because you're thinking, oh, they're going to say this about that. or And you always had to be prepared for what they were going to say. And it got to a point where you'd think on a Friday I'd be buzzing because I'd be like, oh my God, I've got two days off from this absolute nightmare. But all I could think was, oh my God, I've got two days and then I've got, got to start the week all over again. So I couldn't even enjoy the weekend because I was anticipating having to do a whole other week under this regime, (laughs) which when I think back to it now is horrific. Like if work is affecting you that badly, nah, this ain't it. And when I think about it now, basically I got out of there um, and it was one of them where even kind of the exit was horrible as well. And I just, now looking back, I obviously wish, once I got out there, I wish I'd just gone to HR and been like, hey, this has been my experience. I'm thinking you need to do some rejigging here or this is going to be good feedback for you. But it was one of those situations, you know, when you just get out of there and you just want to ride off into the sunset and like never look back. It was literally one of them like, Never wanted to think about it again. Never wanted to see anyone from there ever again. Um, Just absolutely horrific. That's my, um, probably the worst one, probably my like worst workplace, toxic workplace story. Yeah, so that's that's the main one that stands out for me. But I've like worked in loads of places where you've had to deal with different people. Um, I remember working at a data entry place one time. Yeah, that is as boring as it sounds and you would basically input data and um you would go it was honestly like being a robot like you would walk in people wouldn't say hi to you like no one would say morning to you you'd all sit at your desk and then you'd input data all day ding 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 on the keyboard and then you get up at the end of the day and um no one would say bye, (laughs) no one would say have a nice weekend and then you'd all go home. Oh my gosh, it just like stripped the soul out of me. And I remember I worked on like the top floor and it was absolutely, it was that summer where global warming just completely started for us and sweltering and the girl next to me sat next to a massive window 
and she had the radiator on. And I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach her to open the window. Like, we're dying in here. Everyone was like, oh my God, it is sweltering. And because she sat next to the window, like, she kind of had control of the window. And I was just like, she wouldn't even put a jumper on as well. Like, I get it if you feel the cold. I feel the cold as well. But it's like, before putting the heater on, like, just just get a jumper on. If, like, everyone else, it's 30 degrees. We're at the top of a building, so the heat has risen. And um, we're all suffocating. So it's just like... It's like working with different people, isn't it? There's just got to be some compromise. Like I was literally like a dog, like sticking my head out the window, trying to get a breath. <laughs> so obviously I sent a call out this week to people on Instagram and Facebook to let me know your kind of toxic workplace uh, stories. And at the top of the show, love that I call it a show, um, I said like it's all going to be anonymous I'm not going to kind of give away any details so you won't be able to you know be exposed but um, I hope it just kind of lets other people know that god yeah other people have experienced this as well so everyone's going to be anonymous I'm going to call it like anonymous one anonymous two etc and um, yeah so let's go so here's anonymous one I had an interview at a small marketing agency where the interviewer would ask the question and basically ignore me, send in emails, etc. to see how I dealt with the pressure, (laughs) the pressure of awkward situations. I got the job and two years of toxic ensued. Oh my gosh, that has just reminded me. I have also been to two interviews where they were both men and neither of them gave me eye contact and I was just like, that they were just like doing exactly what you've just said, like sending emails on the phone, looking down at papers in front of them. And I honestly think it's a proper, like, well, what they would describe as a power move to make you feel like, mm, yeah, you're, I'm literally going to make you feel worthless before you've even started the job. Like, I remember, this is weird because one of them was a marketing agency. Maybe it's the same place. And I went for the interview. And at the time, I was writing blogs for another to be honest pretty well-known blogger in the northwest and so she was obviously a blogger but had blown up so much that she didn't have the time to write her own blogs so I would be like a guest blogger my name would be at the bottom I wouldn't be like writing under her name so I walk in zero eye contact and sit down at the table and he was like yeah so I saw that you you know write blogs for this person and I've just read it, and like, yeah, it's like, it's quite funny. It was like paining him to compliment someone on their funny blogs. Honestly, I was just like, oh god. And the other person interviewing me was like super nice, loads of eye contact, loads of you know asking me questions, which is kind of the basis of an interview. And yeah, he did the exact same thing. Why do they do that? So weird. Here's another one from Anon One. Um, oh, so from the same job. So the toxic ensued, including being made redundant after just two weeks and then given my job back. What? That kind of sounds like you were being fully gaslit 
And then two months later, and your girl went hook, line, and sinker. Oh, God. I'm not even surprised, to be honest. Um, Here's Anonymous 2. Talked to family and friends, but ultimately decided it was a red flag for me, and I wanted to go. Do that's so common as well, because obviously you after work you go home to like your family and friends and then you're talking about what happened that day and you will have some people that go no you know what you need to stay in a job it's gonna look really bad if you have gaps on your cv and I think that just comes from a place of like scarcity and fear which is totally normal because your job pays your bills and you need that money to survive so it's totally normal to feel like oh my god like, I kind of need to stay in this horrible situation. Or then you'll have other people that are like, nah, quit, just get another job. And I am kind of on that on that side, to be honest, because I just, only because I know what it feels like to be in a job that you absolutely hate. Sometimes it's not even the job, it's just the people. The people are making your life absolute hell. And that has a massive effect. Not only your emotional, mental well-being, but your physical well-being as well. Like, if you've ever dealt with that, you probably will tend to take more sick days off because you have so much stress. You probably have tummy trouble. You probably have migraine, sleepless nights. So it all connects together and has such an effect on normal life. And that's why you need to find, like you need, you need to feel good within your job. Even if you don't, if it's not the most passionate thing you're about, if you work with good people, and you like going there, then that just makes such a difference. Oh, so we're back to Anan One, and this is the marketing agency job. Um, Here is the real scoop. In that marketing agency fail job was that one morning I found the owner's wedding ring in the toilet. This was the day after he'd taken a client out the night before, in commas, slime ball. Not long after, while I was off sick, anxiety related to a toxic workplace oh my gosh just what I was talking about I was sacked I still to this day believe it was because I found the wedding ring and he knew I was on to him shortly after this I got a temp agency job for another agency and the job was basically creating fake email accounts and writing fake reviews for small businesses (laughs) I don't know how I lasted the whole day (laughs) oh my gosh do you know what I've definitely had a scam type job like that but you don't know till you're about a month in, you're like, this this feels like a scam. <laughs> it continues. Also, in my last job before going on mat leave, my boss was barely around. She was hell-bent on introducing homeworking during COVID, which was a complete alien concept to the rest of the management team. She basically wanted to do it because it suited her. A few months before I left for mat leave, the MD asked me how things were going with her. I told him she was never around and I felt like I was single-handedly doing everything. Anyway, after doing his own investigations, he found she'd been spending her uh, work-from-home days watching Real Housewives on Netflix whilst on management calls on her work laptop. Didn't delete browser history, etc. (laughs) I mean, you know what? If you're gonna play the system you need to not be sloppy like come on just delete the browser history that just sounds like someone who was living on the edge and I bet you know what I bet she was being paid a really good wage as well like good salary this is what I mean like 
Some people are only in the jobs that they are in because maybe they've been there a long time or maybe they got experience in another um, another organisation and then they kind of took that and run with, ran with it. Sometimes I just think, like, if you're really good at your job and you're scared to go for a promotion, like, just go for it. Like, because some of these people out here are just scam artists. Okay, here we go. Anonymous 3. This this is actually like trauma inducing. So my workplace before redacted was incredibly toxic. I know you won't name and shame. Oh, okay. So I know the name of this place and I'm definitely going to tell everyone not to go work for them. So I joined as a marketing exec and was very quickly informed that I was the wild card in the selection process. I got the vibe very early on that my psycho boss was trying to catch me out. Yeah, that... What a weird thing to say to someone like, "Mm -hmm, you weren't the one we kind of really, really wanted, but that basically makes you feel like you could easily, as easily be let go as you were brought in. After about a year there, I had to take six weeks off after having an op. I felt better at about four weeks, but the boss insisted I couldn't come back early. Second day back after my op, the boss pulled me into a meeting room to a table covered in printouts of all my work from the last year with comments written on where she thought it was wrong or wasn't up to standard. Nobody else in the team had ever seen an issue. She put me on a development plan that lasted six months, I think. Okay, first of all, this is team too much. Like, to the point of having to go and find your work and then print it out and then lay it out on a table is super weird. That could have been a conversation. Hey, you're back now. Let's just go over some of your work from the last year and let's see where you could have gone better. To be honest, even when I say that, that's weird anyway. Why didn't she just bring it up at the time? This is this is psycho behavior. It started with a test every three days on the three-letter airport codes. Each test was a different region. I had to memorize within three days up to 80 codes at a time. And I was sat in a room by myself without a phone because, you know, I was such a wrong and I might cheat. To her surprise, I passed every single test. She moved my desk so that my back was facing her so that she could watch my screen all day while I worked. Looking back, I was so naive, literally did nothing wrong, but was made to feel like I was bleep. The whole management team were all best mates, so I couldn't go to HRs. They were in on it. Oh, do you know what? That is the worst because kind of like in that job that I was talking about, the horrible one, I didn't have any colleagues, so I only had my boss above me. So I could not go to anyone else or even just have that support either side to be like, can everyone else see what's going on? So I literally could not talk to anyone. So I know I feel you there. So back to the story. While my boss was off on mat leave, Me and my partner had an offer accepted on our house. The MD and HR somehow found out and were like, come into the office for a sec. We've just heard the news, congrats, but you know, you've been on this development plan and we're not even 100% sure that there's a job for you here. (laughs) What? In commas. There was no talk of restructure. I I passed the development plan. No redundancies were planned. 
I basically told them I'd never had the chance to actually do my job properly. They gave me the chance and I excelled. I looked for a new job panicking because the boss was due back off mat leave. Got offered the job at Bleep and took it. Three days later, the boss came in for a keeping in touch day and announced that she wasn't coming back. When HR and the MD found out I was leaving, they act all surprised and went, we can't believe you're leaving. You've been doing so well. <laughs> what? Like, guys, you literally told me I might not have a job as I just signed to buy a house. I was literally a paranoid wreck for the next three years. Oh my God, that's horrible. I mean, mine was only for three months when I was in that horrible job, so I cannot. Oof, God, that's horrible. Once the boss, while my back was turned so she could see my screen, slammed her hand down on the desk to kill a fly. I was that much of a wreck at the time I went to the toilet to cry. Oh my God. Like, I am ready to rock up to these places and start a riot. That is horrible. That's like psychological warfare. And then they go on to say that's the place, that's the place and the reason that I met one of my best friends. So it was all worth it. Um, oh my God, that is, it is horrible, isn't it? Because, and I, that's why I liken it to being in a cult because when you've been in a horrible situation like that you come out of it and it's like your brain chemistry changes and you're like oh my god how did I deal with that and how, why did I put up with that like it is wild but it's just it kind of harks back to you know back in the day where we were all in communities and if you went against um the the top person like that was you done you were out so it's like you're in, you are basically in survival mode and you're just trying to get through because you need to survive. And they basically know that. Like, I, I just think it's wild to, like, imagine having that inside you where you're like, I want to make this person's life horrible. It, it's just a mad concept. And then it makes you think, what have they been through within their life to make them feel like that? Like, why would they make a want? Why would they want to make another human being feel like that? And then I just always think like that person has to go home and live inside their head and body 24-7. Like that must be torture. To want to make other people's lives hell, you must have a lot of bitterness and hate with within you because you want other people to feel that way too. Like and that has got to be torture for you. So I just say, get out of there, you know. I wish you peace, but I am not being your emotional punch bag any longer. Okay, I've got one more story, Anonymous 4. I worked in a hair salon about 12 years ago, which pushed me to go mobile. I worked in a salon and a little lady came in every Friday for a set and blow dry without fail. One Friday she came in visually upset with her lunch. She usually would have a lunch after. Her husband had died the Thursday evening, so the night before, and she still turned up to have her hair done as she didn't want to let the girls down. I think she just needed the routine and company. She brought her lunch in with her in the hope to have a few hours to relax before heading off home and probably to not eat her lunch alone for the first time in however many years. 
Anyway, it was all very upsetting. She was obviously very upset and the girls were comforting her and I thought, how lovely. This lady left around three hours later and the girls who worked there started to moan and moan about her, saying how dare she come in so upset when other people are getting their hair done. How dare she bring her lunch in? We're not a cafe. That was the last day I worked there. I thought to myself, if these people are that low to say that about someone, I don't want anything to do with them. Oh God, like, do you know what? Oh God, that's horrible. I have to just think like, they say that in front of your face and then afterwards they say the complete opposite. And it just, oh God, I've been in, you know, you've you've been in shops sometimes and they're like talking to a customer and then the customer will leave and then they'll talk about that customer in front of you and you're just like I am also a customer like are you am I gonna leave and you're gonna talk about me now like that is it just doesn't take a lot to like have some compassion with people and I'm sure the other clients weren't like oh my god they were probably thinking oh god you know I feel really bad for that lady. Like, that's so sad. They probably weren't even bothered. Like, uh, I just think some people love a moan all the time. And it's like, hon, spice up your life. Like, why are you just trying to bring everyone else down with you? And also get other people in on the moan. Like, oh, yeah. Don't you want to moan about this as well? Like, no, some of us want to live in the light, hon. So, yeah, my voice is getting to a point where it keeps cracking and I don't want to keep you any longer, but I just want to say thanks to everyone who sent in a story this week, because sometimes, honestly, sometimes it's just a bit of a bit of a cathartic um, experience, isn't it, to just go, you know what, this happened to me, and I hope that other people hear this, and if they've been through the same situation, they know that they are not alone, like, you are not crazy, there are just some industries, some structures in workplace that allow this type of behavior to breed and it's it's not right is it so if you are going through this situation at the moment it is going to be hard but just know that you are not alone this happens a lot there should be things in place in your workplace to help you and if they aren't, maybe just, do you know what? Sometimes just looking what else is out there to just give you a little bit of hope that it's not always going to be like this. And I know sometimes it's like, oh, better the devil you know. Like, what if you go to another workplace and it's even worse? But I have a few experiences recently with people that I know that have been in a horrible situation and then got a new job, and they're literally out here like, I I just can't believe I was ever in that job, like, my new job is better paid, way better benefits, I get treated amazingly, like, yeah, maybe the work is a bit harder, it's kind of the same as your last job, but everything else is so much better. Also, if you work in an amazing workplace, and you want to let us know about that, like, let me know, I can pass these details on to people, maybe they're looking for a really good workplace, and you have one of those or you have a business that needs someone really good and you know that you have a healthy environment that you have for your employees let me know let me blast you on social media let's get some good vibes out there so thank you again for listening um I think in the last podcast I forgot to do our mini mindful moment which is kind of the preface of 
um, my whole podcast. So let's settle into that. This is going to be really easy if you're driving or in control of heavy machinery. Please do not close down the eyes, but you can still do it. Just obviously don't close your eyes. Um, But if you're not, if you're at home, maybe you're on your break at work, you're trying to chill out a little bit, we're just going to either close down the eyes or cast the gaze to a spot in front of you on the floor or if you're lying down, maybe on the ceiling. And we're just going to take a pause here. We're just pausing the day, having a moment to ourselves. And we're just going to take three very gentle deep breaths. So breathing in through the nose at your own pace. And releasing. Breathing in, allowing that stagnant, stressy energy to collect on the inhale and release it through your exhale. Breathing in on the inhale. And releasing on the exhale. Taking a moment here to know that in this moment, all is well in your world. So thank you so much for joining me this week. Thank you for sharing your time and energy with me and your stories. And I'll catch you right here next week. See you then, honeys.